the headline of that game and the biggest point coming into the game and after the game was Sam Prendergast starting. And everyone's like, yes, like, I mean, even as me, like, I'm a Munster fan, but I'm like excited. I wanted to see him play because yeah. I'm an Irish fan as well. And the kid then goes away and then he gets man of the match in his first game. I mean, come on, like. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland. As you can see, no Greg O'Shea this week. He is off on his Hallibobs, but I do have Lindsay Pete and Pat McCarry. How are you? Good. How was your weekend? Good weekend. Lots of rugby, lots of sport. Tried to get it all in and uh, the sun shone. So, yeah, good weekend. How about yourself, Pat? Coming down from our big stage appearances now, yeah. Like, we we had a good run out in Salons with the Dramatic Society, but uh, I'm still surprised no agents has called me yet or I haven't been picked up or I've not gone off to join Mescal over in... <laughs> well, but I did hear, Patrick, you were looking for physio for your wrist with all the autographs you were signing, <laughs> so... I mean, that says something. I was pre-signing, pre-signing photographs myself to just to kind of save time well, and stuff like that. Yeah, I think yeah. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> You're so thoughtful, aren't you? <laughs> well, look, lads. Stacking them at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've an absolute cracker of URC weekend to look back on. Uh, you obviously see why I'm smiling like, and we'll get to that in a while. Um, obviously, unfortunately, more tough news from the Women's Six Nations. We'll also get to that, which is why Lindsay isn't smiling and why I am smiling. But... You can both smile at the fact that Leinster are after snacking up Jack as Nina Bear. Yes, the yeah. Jack as Nina Bear. That was with Munster before and as the Springboks head coach is coming in as number two to replace Lancaster. Not a bad replacement. <laughs> as far as replacements no. go. <laughs> I was I was like drive, in the car and I heard about it because I think I was listening to RTE on the drive and they just said, oh, big break in rugby story and sometimes you think that might be bad news and then they're talking about Jack Nina Bear and I was like, I couldn't believe it. Like, mm. and I still almost can't believe it. Like, um, I, like now the way kind of Leo Cullen runs it is almost like he's almost like the DOR and kind of yes. so Nina Aber or Nina Aber will kind of be the kind of main yeah. coach there, like Lancaster was. Like, but he is going to be under someone, so it's a very interesting thing that mm. he would decide to leave his home where he's from. Like, you think sometimes you get the dream job, you're coaching your your country, that's where you're you're you've made it, mm. but yet that he just wants to go back to Leinster as well. Like, so, uh again like the challenges there like again you're probably working with the best squad in in world rugby i know the trophies don't back that up really in the last few years but like the most potential there as well but um i don't know a part of me was going this guy must be getting paid a good bit of money to do it as well like to to come away from south africa as well mm. like so but yeah a massive appointment yeah 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 and listen to him leo Cullum's name and like the likes of sean o'brien obviously has come back as con- contact skills coach ron mm. mcbride's there obviously who was involved in wales who, who looks after the scrum um you know and then he's kind of like oh jack has to look after uh his you know the defense is his forte so he'll kind of be just looking after the defense so oh, yeah, you know what i mean like just a little like nonchalant there like so it was kind of like <laughs> wow you're just like stacking it off and yeah obviously as a leinster supporter you're kind of thinking when Stuart Lancaster was announced that he was going to Rassen, I was like, F you, Rassen, like, thanks for taking, you know, someone who's really was undervalued in England and really we reaped the rewards from him. So not a bad replacement, but it'll be interesting to see, like you said, he's he's used to work with internationals. Mm. But I think it'd be a good challenge for him as well. And yeah. as Leo said, it's nice to have new voice, fresh ideas. And obviously he'll bring that angle that he was saying with the South Africans being in the, the European Cups now. And obviously in the URC, he'll just bring that different yeah. dynamic and a little bit of... Maybe a 
South African flair that he'll bring in little tricks to the trade. So yeah, yeah. watch the space. It'll be interesting to see how it goes down across the board in terms of rugby and Irish rugby because as you know, me and Greg were defending Leinster as much as we could last mm-hmm. week, but we're given all about their resources, like to get someone of that calibre in a week after all these complaints about having all these international stuff and now all of a sudden this guy's coming in. It's very hard to defend him. Like in you know, yeah. you see the state of women's rugby, you see the likes of Munster, Munster and Collett struggling at times and then the premiership teams looking for parity in terms of budgets like and to bring him in it's a bit kind of like it's a tough one to defend <laughs> yeah and you can see it and obviously you know but I suppose success brings attracts big names and that's the other bit you have to say now am I saying that the the, the euro signs aren't behind that no I mean I'm not naive and I'm not stupid well hopefully not but um there has to be something there and obviously when you're winning competitions and you're successful revenue and sponsors and so it's easier to detract all that now we obviously question why James Lowe and Ronan Kelleher are only, you know, they're mm. not on IRFU contracts. Yes. So was the budgets moved around to accommodate them? Yeah, I'd say it's tough because you can only give out a certain amount of contracts back, can't you? And that's made it's, the rest of it The IRFU do seem to be kind of minimising the amount of central contracts. There used to be like, you had 17 or 18. Mm. Now I'd say there's probably 10 at a push. Like I was trying mm. to have a look around and I think eight guaranteed and there might be a couple announced now before the season's out. Uh, like Ian Henderson was on one. I don't know whether he will be on one mm. anymore. Stockdale as well, wasn't he? Stockdale was on one, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I was just, yeah, really surprised at James Lowe. Like, we were raving about him all mm. season uh, that he wasn't put on a central contract. And I, I know the players are probably happy enough, but it'd be strange to kind of say that, okay, listen, we can't give you that extra bump from having a central contract, but yeah, we're going to get in the Springbok head coach to kind yeah. of supplement this yeah, team. That's yeah, already, yeah unbeaten or win like I think they've won 23 of their 24 games already this season like so some of the players might just be again you hope like I'd say it's a good atmosphere around the squad they're not losing games they're all kind of there they're winning grand slams so everybody's pretty happy but I don't know it might be a little thing in the back of your head or like how come we're not getting the mm. extra bump here like we're like I'm in the form of my life like but we're paying all this money out um to kind of get a new coach in as well like when we're already a winning team like so um yeah it's it's kind of maybe positioning money around the, the, the thought crossed my mind there that maybe johnny sexton retiring they have a little big pot of cash <laughs> that they can kind of a uh, little nice nice who quit there now it's, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh we'll move on to the main events and while i'm smiling from <laughs> ear to ear um Monster Stormers over in South Africa. I don't think anybody really gave him a chance. Mm. Oh, he certainly didn't. I don't think you did or you did last week as well. Well, we always gave him a chance, but we we weren't very confident going over for them to play the, the current champions. But 26-24 and that one of those that Stormers try was a late consolation try. So they won. They won it well, Lindsay, didn't they? They did win it well. And it was nice to see because obviously with the most recent uh, rounds for the the Heineken Cup, you know, we were used to Munster coming out when their backs were against the wall and they didn't. And that's why we were kind of like, oh God, you know, it's not an easy place to go. It's not an easy team to play. Um, but the likes of Piro Mahoney, Gavin Coombs, Ben Healy, Jack Crowley, um, Shane Daly's goose step, you joke me like that was unbelievable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it was a team who really, they enjoyed it. They enjoyed it and it was lovely to see. And uh, Simon. Have I got that right? Schneiman. 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 <laughs> this is your man from Carlo. Um, I thought he, him and, and Jean Klein were exceptional in the second round. Jesus Christ, they took the game. Like, what? They had a try held up. Oh, no, it was awarded in the end, the first, like, two minutes. And yeah, it was yeah, from yeah. Milano. And he, I love the way, again, when you kind of bring your jumper down, you kind of start that mall roll and, like, no must stop me. He just was dragging his mm. monster teammates. And I just thought, now, finally. Your yeah. red tie mm. at your wedding paid off. It was the lucky <laughs> charm. Yeah, I was wearing the red tie, but I mean, look, Snyman, he's been out for so long, but I think people forgot 
Like this guy is yeah. a world class second row and like a World Cup winning Springbok. That that's why we signed him. And he made an awful difference. But I think the big thing we need to look back on at, at Pat, it was a strange one when we saw it come in is Joey Carberry was completely dropped from the squad before that game. I mean, yeah, there was a very so interesting calls being made by round through the season. Like you wouldn't agree with all of them necessarily. Like I'd be a big Conor Murray fan as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm probably taking Greg's place as the Conor Murray fan club here. <laughs> How this much week. did he pay you for that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like. Um, yeah, like so. There's some like even there, like Simon Zebo wasn't involved, and Roundtree kind of confirmed that that wasn't injury related. So he's not kind of made the trip or made the squad. So he seems to be now surplus to requirements for now. Anyway, maybe he has a good preseason or something. But and then Joey Carberry now just seems to be out of the loop. Like we know Ben Healy's leaving. Like but but then you know Ben Healy's been kind of like trusted. Maybe he's shown something in training. Like but mm. again, no kind of injury news. Like Roundtree wasn't coming out and saying Joey's pulled up or anything like that. So. Uh, just it's strange to see what's happened there. Like, of course, his confidence would have taken a hit from what happened with Ireland as well. Mm. But uh, maybe he is one of those a bit like Ross Byrne as well, like a confidence player. Like, and and nobody's backing him at the moment. So now all of a sudden his form is completely dropped. So like, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, you know, off the pitch as well. Like, but a, a shame to kind of see him mm. kind of fall off thing because like a lot of people still say surely he still has a chance for the World Cup. But it's hard to see him kind of. I don't know, like like. The window of opportunity is rapidly closing for him, isn't mm. it? Like, yeah. Well, I think when you're going down to play the South, um, the any South African team away in South Africa, especially the Stormers, who are like littered with like some world class players, you have to be picking on form. And I've been mm. there in camp where sometimes even I've gotten nods, and you're not in form. You know, you're kind of getting the nod and experience. And we've had this conversation throughout the show, even with Conor Murray, he was an exceptionally world class nine, and mm. um, so no one's taking that away from him. So. What you want in competitive squads is that everyone's pushing everyone. And Graham Rowntree, what I do like about him is he doesn't really, you're not there on merit, you're there on, like you are mm. there on merit mm. and you're there with your performances and he's rewarding that. And as I said, for me, as a sitting here from a, analysing it and then as a player, you want your best players in their performance and unfortunately you don't want to see um, Joey Carby wish him every mm. if it's a confidence thing Jesus you know we want to remind you we're world class but um, when it's business end of the season for yep. Munster who have such a good squad and have done so well you can't really can't stand on ceremony can you, you it, do, it doesn't help his case then as well at the fact that they went over they got to win Jack Crowley played really well and then Ben Healy was instrumental yeah. in that Shane Daly try with that brilliant. beautiful pass mm. so that didn't help his case either as well and you're kind of thinking going into this Sharks game now Correct me if I'm wrong here, Pat. I'm pretty sure we're guaranteed top eight, but there is an issue there in terms of the Challenge Cup. Yeah. That if Scarlets or Benetton end up winning it, then it could be reduced down to five or six places for the Champions Cup. So we're still not technically yes. in the clear. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, I, th- I still kind of think they're maybe just one point away from... A losing, a losing like, bonus point, so we'll do it, yeah, or a four think, tries or whatever. Um, because, yeah, they're, they're ahead of like Sharks and... Um, and then the Bulls as well, like so. It, yeah. And then they're they're away against. Yeah, I think it's it's in the Sharks is their final game then as well. Like so, like, yeah. they just need like yeah, like a losing bonus point or kind of mm. um, if they get four tries, if it's a similar type of game. Yeah, and they should be over the line then as well. Like Makes so, it's sense. it's uh, yeah, they're sorted, and then it's Connacht. They're kind of nearly the same as well. Playoff 
rugby confirmed, but Champions Cup is still up in the air as well. Because right. so. it's to do with the Welsh, isn't it? The, the Welsh yeah, are guaranteed. Yeah, thing with the Challenge Cup. Yeah. Like, but look, that'll be great. No, I mean, please God, touch wood, all go well. We'll have four Irish teams in the Champions Cup next year, which is what we want. Yeah. Not yeah. like we're doing well enough as it is. Like, you know, we just want to keep doing better and better. 100%. Irish rugby is just... Well, especially after we win the World Cup. I mean, we want... <laughs> we're just We're just a rocket going to the moon at the moment. Like, we're just going to keep going. But uh, we move on, even though I'd love to, to, to talk about Munster all day. Like, um, actually, no, do you know, we have to talk about, before we move on, we have to talk about that Peter O'Mahony incident. Yeah. Because it was a bit of a funny one. I know you wrote a piece on it and I was actually, we were in the pub when we were watching it because so I was at a, a wedding. Actually, before we move on, uh, I promised uh, to, to, to uh, I'd give the uh, bride and groom a massive shout out. So I said I was at a wedding the weekend. Yes. So a shout out to Gary and shout out to Fiona. It was a beautiful weekend and I hope you have a lo- long and lovely successful marriage. Right. <laughs> They're a gorgeous couple. We saw them on your Insta. They're excellent, excellent, excellent. But anyway, back to the rugby. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Peter O'Malley incident. Like we were there because one lad's like, "Come over here, come over here. It's gonna be red cards. We red cards. It's gonna be yellow." And like, I only kind of half saw it, and I was like, "I don't look good." Mm. I mean, nothing was given in the end at all. Was it? it just wasn't. No, the penalty, no they was just it? reversed the penalty that that O'Malley had given away uh, for coming in through the side. Like, but. Um, and that, that that was it. It was so funny just to watch. I loved watching O'Malley at the end mm. of it. Like he's just. It's like he just exists in the chaos. Like he loves winding people up and doing this. So like the fact that he had got them to react, he just got back up and was having a drink of water. And it was like, you're like, and it was like no bother to him. Like, but uh, yeah, it was initially like uh, Joseph Dueba was kind of having an argument with him. And O'Mahony was just trying to push him off now. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, I think it was like Marvin Ori was the one that kind of reacted. Like uh, Mal Herber had kind of pulled O'Mahony away from it. But then Marvin Ori just came in and just like a weird kind hand of thing to do face, someone. Yeah. Hand on his face, pushing his face into the ground like that, like open palm. Um, and then again, it all kicked off a minute later when they're all standing up again. And Ori came in again and, mm. and wrapped his hand around his face. So just a, a weird, like, you know, if that's not, that wouldn't be my instinct. Mm. My instinct would probably be to run the opposite direction anyway. But um, <laughs> but your instinct to come in and like wrap your hand on someone's face. Now, I don't think there was any real con- like proper contact with the eye. There was no gouging mm. or anything like that. But just a strange action. Like, and I think the referee was like Craig Evans and he said like, no, that's completely unacceptable. But there was no cards given out for it as well. Like, strange but- one. It's like oh. face contact. Like when you think about it, I mean, face contact and you're getting towards that eye area as well. Like that's something that should be I don't know, what do you think? Do we think it was the right decision in the end or do you think more should have been done? No, I think more should have been done because again, when two teams like that go and there's so much at stake with the result and everything mm. else like that, like you just have to take control of the game. I think if I'm honest and I can say this because I've said it before, I'm I'm the wind-up merchant and the one who'll, mm. who'll go looking for, you know, make mm. sure protecting players or winding people up. But I'd say because it was Peter Mahoney and not anyone else, to be honest, that unfortunately then he doesn't get that rub of the green. And like you said, he gets up and he's a little bit tougher and he's kind of delighted that he's wound them up. Mm. So, uh, no, not acceptable because, again, it's just inconsistency with what, you know, where to control the game is. Do you know mm. what I mean? So, yeah, with a brandish yellow, you shouldn't be going near anyone's face. Bingo, that's it. On, on Peter, he had a great game, didn't he? Like, especially yeah. after he was kind of went to miss in that Sharks game in the Champions Cup, like when we needed him. Yeah. And we needed him again there. Like, and when he steps up, like, he makes a hell of a difference. Yeah. Just so, uh, yeah, just kind of like, what you call it, like, nuggety and grizzled and mm. stuff like that. And, yeah. And yeah, like, a lot, oftentimes, like, I remember interviewing him earlier in this season. I think it was before they played the Aussies earlier on this season. But you're asking him, like, what, like, if you've had a good game, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm just winning ball back for my team. Like, or, whether that's claiming restarts or line out ball or something like that and getting in and clearing out and stuff like that. So it's like none of the pretty stuff at all. But uh, yeah, he kind of revels in that kind of like I'll free it up for Coombs to kind of take mm. a run at somebody. And um, but yeah, and then just kind of disrupting the line outs from them as well and kind of getting up and, and 
cleanly jumping as well. Like so, uh, yeah, like a great game from him again because like it was just I think we didn't have much faith in them going to to do something to the Stormers because Stormers are gone so well and. And then once you've just been so poor against the mm. Sharks. And then mm. a lot of big guys that you expected to step up didn't step up. And O'Mahony was one of them. But then, yeah, he rarely has two, you know, bad yeah. games in a row. Like, so he really came back. So it was just great to see, like, yeah. So, Munster on the off. Munster, more than 19 Champions Cup into the playoff. What more could you want? I think we were what only, more a, only a week ago we were saying this could be their worst season ever. Like, but it's, it's amazing it's, what one big it's, result it's, does. But like, I think yeah. we, we look, like, time and time again, they've done that. They're able to just kind of pull a performance out of the bag. It's in them. It's why people. It's probably why we slate them and give out so much you when you expect, when it's yeah. a really bad because we know what they're capable and we know they can win these games and pull out these performances. So it's probably why we're overly critical of them. Well, especially this year, like I, I want to take a bit of flack off Peter O'Malley because I mean he came back off a Grand Slam and then you're expecting him to just perform in a monster jersey mm. when you've so much like a- a- Alex Candelan come in the weekend, um, you know you've Dermot Barron, so you've these great young players coming up and we need to now see them step up into this leadership. Like yeah. Jack Crowley has done it so quickly now at ten, probably the position he plays now, which is so central to a team success and what format they want to play. But, um, for Pete. If I was the opposition, he's just a nuisance. That's the best, mm. best way. And it's probably a lot of the stuff he does, you don't get credit for unless you, you have a rugby eye or you have an understanding. Like he's just someone, when you're on the opposite side of him, you're like, Jesus Christ, just get him off a ball. Or he's disrupting your platform, which is your line out, your set piece. And he's just always trying to push it to the limit. So I think great to see him back, but in the likes of where he's getting a bit of flack where he needs to step up. There's other players there I think have shown this season and I mm. I can see your frustration. Do you know what I mean? Like there's such depth of squad there, but look, I'm happy you're happy. Good, good. Thank you. Did you see, I think the, because um, yeah, because I know Chris Farrell is gone and then Fekato is gone and then Nankivale is coming yeah. in from New Zealand as well. It looks like they've got Sean, Sean O'Brien. O'Brien from Exeter as well. Like so, great another centre coming in. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, uh, all changed there as well because you're almost worried that they could have been short in that area. Like, oh, they would have been. They needed one, like because mm. you've got Dan Goggins. Dan Goggins has gone as well. Yes, like, yeah, yeah. So there's another centre gone. Like so he's gone off. As far as I know, he's going playing in the Shield competition over in Australia, semi-professional competition. Yeah, wow. So it kind of didn't work out too well for him. So best of oh. luck anyway then over in Australia when you get there. But uh, moving on, but staying in South Africa. Yeah. And staying with Ireland. Another Irish team was in, Australia, was in South Africa over the weekend. The absolute mutants that are Leinster <laughs> somehow went over with a plane full of school children, almost. <laughs> were yeah, trailing they just for about most of the game puberty. And still, still came away with a 39-36 win. Uh, like the headline of that game and the biggest point coming into the game and after the game was Sam Prendergast starting. And everyone's like, yes, like, I mean, even as me, like, I'm a Munster fan, but I'm, like, excited. I wanted to see him play because yeah. I'm an Irish fan as well. And the kid then goes away and then he gets man of the match in his first game. I mean, come on, like. I just, I watched him at <laughs> under 20s and I was like, he's the most, at times, the most unorthodox looking fella. Like, you wouldn't think with his frame, he's yeah. long, he's skinny, he's languid, he's gangly. And next one, he puts in these big boots and these fantastic kicks. And then he's like nonchalant to the gain line. He just fabulous pass. Like the pass for the first try just splits the defence. And when you're when you're forward coming onto that ball and, and all the work is taken on, you just have to run straight. Like, it's absolutely, he was a joy to watch. And finally, when I was watching him, and unfortunately, there was lots of rugby on the weekend. So when he caught the highlights later on that evening but I and I was keeping it on Twitter but I was like holy lord it epitomises how good Leinster actually are because I was like right it's all right we needed to go down with the young lads you know who as I said literally have just come out of school and 
it's just run so deep into the root, like how the game plan, how consistent they are. And yes, they had moments of really, really poor defence, but by God, an attack when they got going, inside passes, they just never, they just never give up. Mm. Just the variation of their try. And as I said, Sam Pendergast might be this shining light that we have actually <laughs> now a line of replacements for John. That's it. Yeah. So they're missing a full squad and we're yeah. with a whole other second squad. But uh, looking at the game itself, Pat, like some good tries scored that first try. I was only mentioning it there a few weeks ago, but Abeladze, like the George. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. he's been out injured. And I was like, can we get him down at Munster? Can we like, you're not <laughs> using him. No. Like, and like, I can see why, you know, that they wanted to retain him because that yeah. try was, was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. To, like it was almost, you know, someone who's been around for a while and you kind mm. of almost take, like, again, like, let's say Dermot Barron might be the same as well. Like, you take a guy for granted because you just see his name on the list or something like, like you know, and you're, even like, let's say Tom Clarkson is well spoken of at Leinster as well, but sometimes it's like injuries or he's not getting in ahead of the main guys. Mm. You know, you're just watching the game back and all of a sudden you just see some, you just assume there's a back row, like, you know, and, mm. and it was Ab- Abzaladze and you're kind of, and then again, like I was then Googling like, you know what? You know what's the deal with him? Has he had injuries and stuff? Because it's like such a surprising mm. thing to see a guy with that much pace, and he still had to bash oh, guys out of the Hell of a try! Hell of a try! Brilliant! Uh, yeah, like twenty-seven now. Ended up like thinking he wasn't going to play for Ireland, so now he played for Georgia then as well. Like and okay. um, but yeah, now all of a sudden you see something like that. And it's like I suppose everybody at Leinster's probably saying it as well. If you can keep this guy fit. And now you're only coming into your like prime, prime as yeah. a prop as well. Oh yeah, like, he's such young for a prop. Like, but yeah, I suppose at the same time as well, like you have to understand the fact that he's dealing with like every prop in front of him is either an Ireland international or they've also like your backup tight head is an Australian international. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so you've got like issues there where even yeah, like Jesus, yeah, so, yeah. what was the back? Sorry, Keen, your backup loot your your two loose heads and your two tight heads are both internationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're right. Is it regular internationals? Whereas like Healy's on the bench for Ireland. And what you call it, start with Porter starts, four furlong starts for Ireland, and Lato would start for Australia or at least be on the bench. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's what he's up against, unfortunately. That's why I was saying, no, the monster. Yeah. No, no, he's happy with Clun. I think he plays with Clontarf for the AL and then he's be obviously in and out. So uh, success all around. And like when you read the report, like, Abeladze ran he got a flat ball and inside the 22 you're like oh god was it just an easy breakaway try and then you see him like with three mm. lines fellas hanging off him and he, and he turned but yeah he's he is only coming into his prime and I yeah. think that's the only thing for him that like obviously Keane Healy only signed a one year extension mm-hmm. on his contract and he's been an absolutely exceptional servant and so we'd have him in there to help transition these young men just, but probably th- it's not too long now we'll be, he Keane, probably yeah. hopefully will be moving maybe into a coach role and that's the nice thing about Leinster as well they try and they will bring their players back to mm. if that's what they want to do with us yeah. Want to go down. Looking at like how the game went, like, like to make it even more crazy and making make Leinster look like even more mutants. The fact that we've already said that <laughs> they went over with their second squad over to South Africa, got to win. At one stage, they were 36-21 down with two men in the bin. Yeah. Who was yeah. in the bin? It was uh, uh, Nick, Nick McCarthy and yeah. Chris Cosgrave. Yeah. So even to add to that, like I mean, what are they feeding them in Leinster? Come on, what's the secret? I don't know if I knew that I'd be taking it for the rest of us um, I think again it's just consistency and clarity and and obviously Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen instill such belief and I think as well like Sean O'Brien and following him and you know they're just excited every day I'd say to go to work and be in there so it seems just a lovely environment to be in and these young guys and what I really was impressed with Leo's interview was 
he alluded to the fact that he told the lads a couple of weeks ago that they, they would be getting time, obviously, um, going down to South Africa. Mm. So to have that clarity and be working towards something yeah, is yeah. huge as a player to know that you're going to get that game time. So now all of a sudden you always have a focus and a goal. Um, so I think how they move the lads as well in and out and get them back to their clubs and in they're always getting game time and they're always valued. And I think no matter if you're starting in a short or you, you feel valued and part of something bigger. Mm. And I know that sounds really fluffy and everything else like that but as I said you've been there as a player and you that's huge for you that's mm. huge for you to know you're valued for that so I just think yeah like even looking at, at Prendergast's reaction and, and the post-match reaction and I think it was Brian Deeney if I'm not mistaken on the sideline where they're just like waiting for Santa to arrive at Christmas <laughs> for the final whistle like it was yeah. just lovely Yeah. Um. so I think that trip will go a long way and I just think yeah, I think it's simple things that they're repeating and it'll be, I think it'll be hard actually for Jackies to come in and, and really be able to make an impact into an environment that's very successful. Yeah. I think in months ago, like when they had him there, like they absolutely spoke the world of him, said he was yeah, one of the best coaches. We've had like Bruno Mani and stuff on last year and he was saying, this guy's on a label. But uh, looking at that, that Instagram as well, Pat, like I think with, the main thing I think we have to look at is the fact that Leinster, first of all, were, they were afforded to do this right because they're top of the table, right? Yeah, so yeah. that's why they're sending the kids over. But the, the, the stunning and most incredible thing for me is the fact that they went over and won. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The fact that, okay, that they're in a position, they're top of the lead, they can't be caught. So that show the kids out. Normally in a situation, you show the kids out, you probably end up losing, especially especially in South Africa. Mm. But not only like did the kids, they, they went over and got to play and get to start. They bloody won. Yeah. You know? It's almost like they have like a shadow squad on the go this season and Reese Ruddock is their captain and, mm. and like it's... They have like this whole second unit that would probably go up against each other in training as well. Like, but I thought like Leo Cullen was doing an interview before the game. I think when the Nian Aber news was announced, and he had brought up like John McKee, like the hooker, mm. and he was kind of saying that these lads are seeing now that McKee has come in, played Champions Cup, and is scoring a try in the Champions Cup. Yes. So they're saying there is a pathway now, like which is oh, yeah. a big thing for them as well. And and then yeah, like just even going back to like someone like oh, Jesus, so many of them are good, like Brownlee and Cosgrave as well. Like, but someone like Sam Prendergast as well who. Like, it is funny, like, the uh, the other provinces, I was saying nearly, like, if you mention about him on Twitter or something, the other fans in provinces would be like, we'll have him. Like, you know, like, and <laughs> I don't think he's going to get a chance at Leinster. I think, you know, let him have us, like, you know, we'll take him for two seasons. And, like, I'm sure I, I would say Leinster have heard from every province. Like, you'd be almost foolish not to give him a shout and say, we'll take him off your hands for a couple of seasons. Like, you know, like, and we'll give him, a, you know, like, and we'll give him the experience and you yeah. can have him back or something. But, uh, like, I'm sure, like, some, they've all, like, the likes of, Connacht and Ulster definitely maybe Munster like but uh, I can see we'll take whatever's going like yeah <laughs> do you think Andy Friend is like Keen ring your brother there and tell yeah. him how good Connacht is yeah it was like yeah and that was the whole I remember chatting to Keen at the end of last season and it's always like oh you should see the brother as well and this guy's come in and he's got equally the same amount of kind of potential as well yeah. but um, did Connacht leave like McCarthy isn't, get, isn't getting his contract or no like so there's a 10 gone there as well so yes yeah yeah you know what I mean? there's a Adam Byrne as well Adam Byrne has gone after a year which I think is yeah, a strange one strange or yeah so, sad isn't it like, I don't think it's strange I'd say because he hasn't had a good run again like he injuries injured has been injured for most been, season yeah. wasn't he so I wonder, like, is he, is he, I mean, he's in a situation now where he's going to be in limbo for a while, trying to get a club. Does he go back to AL and put his head down or something like that? Well, hopefully. Or go over to France and look for a D2 team or something, or, I don't know. Probably could, yeah. Like, you know, like, a D2 team would probably, you'd do well, you'd pick up decent mm. enough money. If you wanted to give it one last shot, like, you know. Mm. What age is he? He's probably 26, 20, no, probably 27 as well. Yeah, late yeah. 20, still not very, old, like, no. not old. Look, that's a good segue. Anyway, moving on to Connacht. <laughs> uh, Connacht. 
five try win or they scored five tries in a 38 38 and 8 38 19 38 19 win <laughs> over Cardiff which is another big win so that's another win for the Irish teams as we said that's after setting them up for playoff more than likely in Champions Cup so I mean Irish should be like what can we say about it just keep winning games it's the it's the thing that just keeps getting better huh? <laughs> um, well nice uh, is that Andy Friend's last home game now just to send him off I believe so yes yeah. Yeah. so I think the, it seemed a good it seemed an exceptionally dry night in the west which yes, is unusual yeah, yeah. and um, Connor, Connor Oliver got over uh, Kilgannon got over they just uh, Mac Hansen they just had actually some really I saw Caelan Blade getting stuck into a mall so they just looked like actually a team who were really enjoying their rugby and really gave Andy Friend mm. a really good send off we saw an exceptional um, offload by Bundyaki to Mac Hansen for that, yeah, yeah. For that, that last lovely. try that was lovely yeah, yeah. yeah. actually putting a point there they're not officially Champions Cup yet yeah, they're the same Even if they finish well. eight, it's because it's that issue with the Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely, Shield. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the lads so will be out celebrating. So you believe in it? Is it fair? celebrating their shield now again this year, will they? When they, when they finish 13th with their shield. <laughs> I, I remember like, I think it was... I think <laughs> can't it was even drink season. have a shield. Like, <laughs> speaking, to, <laughs> speaking to Martin and I about it, like, they're the, the, the head guy in the URC and it's just like, surely that changes. And it was like, it was almost a concession that was made to the Welsh side's and the Scottish and Italian sides at the start that are like, no, there is a route into the, the Champions Cup, but they have to <sighs> knock that on the head for next season. Like, they can't, like Cardiff are, I think they're 11th, they're the best Welsh side at the moment. Mm. They're 11th, they've won eight, lost nine, and they yeah. go to Champions Cup ahead of it. It's ju- it's a joke. And yeah. I still, also you have to remember the fact that we're after bringing in four heavyweights at Africa team. So it's, the competition has never been so competitive. And three out of the four then, the first one, uh, Stormers won it in the first year. Sharks are performing well. Yep. Well, the Lions aren't doing great, like, but Bulls are playing well. Yeah. So there are four very strong sides. So it's harder to win games. So even if you do the hard work and you win, some lowly old Welsh side who can't bloody win win a game to save their lives is below, is below you, gets your Champions Cup spot. Yep. I mean that's nuts. And where yeah, like where like almost what's your incentive if you're a Welsh side as well? It's just like we'll just be the top of the the bottom. You know, like you're like And you're still gonna, in like Yeah, like I think even lines are ahead of Cardiff at the moment. Like yeah, like so yeah, the, there is a thing of like I don't know what they're gonna do in Welsh rugby, like they're still in a big mess that like they've never really been able to get over. Like and it was almost like Gatlin's Wales used to cover the cracks over what was going on there and mm. Uh, like they're still like they've had to cut their squads for next season like they can't have the same amount of no budget they're down to something like 5 million a team or even less yeah. is what they're stuck to which I know it sounds like a lot of money to through through me <laughs> yeah. you and why well, yeah. 5 million but trying to run an entire club mm-hmm. with 5 million yeah top to bottom that's not a lot of money no it's not a lot of money and I don't think it's doing the Welsh Union any favours by kind of getting them out of jail in, in a way mm. but the other point is it's they're in such dire straits now it's going to take a long time for them to, to rectify and we'll obviously if they're not the only union who if you don't invest you know over time it'll just as as in rugby as the phases go on and your players aren't working you run our players and get turned over and that's what's happened well so I don't think when you look at going into a Champions Cup and the calibre of, of teams that are there you're just actually condoning Wales to just more misery really by putting their teams in when they're not up to the standard so I think it's a poor decision and one that needs to be looked at because it just won't do any favours for the group stages of the, of the European Cup It's like getting like a token invite to a party like you're not really invited like and you're just kind of there and kind of yeah taking the free cheese and crackers or whatever and you just kind of like you feel awkward being there and like they're getting belted in at most seasons as well so yeah. um, I don't know there, I think there, there has been talk remember the weird thing about Ealing 
trail finders teaming up yeah. with like, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like they're, they're gonna have to do something radical almost they're just definitely well they're not definitely but like it does sound harsh like to any of their fans like but reduce it to three teams maybe and go from there and yeah. pool your strength a little bit like yeah. but no. uh but yeah like uh, you'd hate hopefully kind of do enough exactly that don't finish in that yeah. spot and then take it out of their hands yeah. and hopefully get it but um sticking on kind of off the field there's a lot going on we said there adam byrne is leaving shane de la hunt retiring alex Martin retiring favita's leaving kind of for leaving sean masson's leaving kieran boots leaving obviously your head coach is leaving mm. but to some some news just before we come on here is scott fardy who we were yeah. talking about last mm-hmm. week who people will know as he played with leinster played with Aust- uh, australia like like a test veteran like yeah one of the best uh, second most forward slash back rows like in the 100%. world at one stage in his career like so there's a guy that's going to bring a lot of experience Scott hugely hugely and like when you big names and uh, Muldoon has come back yeah. as well so yeah. I mean that's an exceptional amount of experience and really good guys who's going to bring a lot of personality to your dressing room Scott Fardy was once upon a time the Reese Ruddock who was there like bringing everyone along was so consistent in Leinster jersey has won European titles with them so as a player and I suppose as anyone he would have picked up along his very experienced journey will bring nothing but uh, positives to, to the Connacht dressing room and, and their on-field stuff and build on what has been, other than inconsistency, some really, really glimpses of of fantastic rugby and foundations to really build on going forward. Yeah, a couple of signings as well, Pat. Andrew Smith and Liam McNamara in from the Sevens. It would have been interesting to have Greg on this week because the, the latter is a, an Australian guy like... Somebody, the Irish guy has been overlooked. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's like it's kind of, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's almost like they're trying to, like, it's worked with John Porch and it's worked with Mac Hansen. Mm. Yeah. So then again, it's the same thing again with uh, McNamara is kind of, is Irish qualified as well. So there must be some yeah. parentage there from as well. Like, but yeah, a lot of great, you know, like Irish, like Jordan Conroy, I suppose, being one of them. Like, and there's a few lads who kind of are exceptional as well, like that. Mm. You kind of often wonder, like, well, why don't they give him you know, a pre-season and see how it goes or something. The world, the world seventh player of the year hasn't, is, isn't playing rugby at the moment. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so yeah. Why hasn't he been looked yeah, at? Isn't he? Yeah, Terry Kennedy Terry is like, Kennedy. That, yeah, like he might go to Australia or something like that as well. Like, why Do would you know? not bring him in and give him a look or something yeah, like that? Yeah, like, it's bizarre. It's a strange well, one. Well, it's bizarre when you see like Hugo Keenan is now like mm. an invaluable Best asset. Best in the, the world 50. now. Like. Exactly. <laughs> and like Terry Kennedy obviously would have had a huge amount. He's Mary's man, if I'm not mistaken, mm. has huge experience with 15s as well as sevens and like what he's done in the last 12 months alone mm. and now not to be playing rugby at all is is kind of a strange call. Um, so yeah, I don't see where that goes. Will it be interesting maybe to put that to Greg next week and his return? Yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to find out and see what he thinks about that one. But uh, no, look, good. Another win for Connacht. I said hopefully that won't catch him out this whole bloody well shield thing. Like and you can celebrate your shield with Connacht can celebrate their Champions Cup qualification, please God. <laughs> um, moving on to another, yes, another Irish win. Four from four, clean sweep. And a little what? history new new record set I believe yeah. by yes. Mr Stewart yes, yes Tom Stewart he and so sorry the final score was 14-19 Ulster against the Dragons he's now got 17 tries for the season 10 in his last 5 games oh my he's played 17 he's only started 12 that is absolutely insane crazy, yeah. another hat trick like two of them were classic Ulster mall hooker yeah, tries yeah. the third try was a lovely try wasn't it yeah true to Stockdale was it yeah Stockdale, Stockdale and and he, was, he was hearing down the left wing and Stockdale just kind of unselfishly gave it to him and um yeah incredible like he like I think they're like yeah the URC Pro 14 Magner's record was 14 tries before mm-hmm. like so to have a hooker beating it with like one record Tim Visser a winger like, yeah, is Tim the Visser, previous one class yeah. player, like. <laughs> and there's a hooker <laughs> 
to have him like kind of um yeah like beat it with a regular season game to go and then probably the playoffs to go like so he could could reach 20 and I think the the overall record for an Irish player in a season is 20 that Stockdale and Tommy Bow both you know gotten in different Once again, seasons, like two wingers can we two point wingers, out yeah, again yeah. <laughs> and two Ulstermen yeah, yeah. it's like the, the role in Mall is like it's for a while this season it almost got figured out on Ulster and now they've seemed to got it going again like so yeah. they must have made little tweaks as well but it's it's that I suppose and it's the quick tap five metre penalties that are leading to all this but yeah like are hookers becoming sexy now? Like, you know, are they, like, is that the new Listen. How many has Dan Sheehan got? Was it, he's got a good few this year as well, hasn't he? Oh, he probably has. Oh, double figures, I'd say, for Dan Sheehan. And he's yeah. not even getting all the games, you know. No, he's, he's, in even, and he's out. not even playing regularly. Like, like. No, Tom Stewart isn't even making it to camp. He only made it yeah. in the last camp because we ran out of hookers. Sexy hookers, yeah, albeit. sexy hookers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good to see, though. I mean, like, the depth we have there, like, we've got four or five hookers mm. at our disposal and two of them are two of the best in the world. And then this guy, like, I mean, it's crazy to think that you can be breaking records, score 17 tries in the Pro 14 and like, barely be near the Irish team because that's how good she and an Erring are. So yeah. that's sick. That just shows you, like, the, the depth that's there and the quality of players, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, again, you talk about this guy, McKee, Barron scoring two at the weekend mm-hmm. as well. Like, um all of a sudden, yeah, you're you're inundated, like, and and, and that's it. Maybe again, that these lads are kind of. It's a funny thing sometimes, you know, like in, in in soccer as well. If somebody's scoring penalties, their record looks better. Like when Bruno Fernandez was on the penalties for United, mm. his record's looking great, and he's getting a load of praise. Now these hookers are getting tries as well, and they're they're getting more attention for themselves. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Where they might not have, they just would have done the dirty work in the past and mm. stuff. But now they're finishing off scores as well, like so. Some people would say that the, it's the number eights, the poor number eights. Think about them and yeah. they're normally the guys that kind of finish stuff off at the back, yeah. of, at the back of things. So like, just Would you consider like, do you know what I mean? Like, like the way it works now, like generally, like in a mall, it always goes back to Tucker. Like, would you like technically look at that? Is that like scoring a penalty try? Is in a penalty in soccer? Like, because yeah. all you do is hand it back and just fall onto the ground when you get there. Yeah, the boys <laughs> crash Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because it's not as hard as like, <laughs> like Gary Ringwood's going off sidestepping three fellas and running down and he's still, it's still only one try. Oh no, 100%. <laughs> And I've been at the back where I've robbed tries off the hookers. Like, I'm like, give me the ball. Yeah. I absolutely, come here and I tell you, Lou says we're cheeky. No, front nose, huh? Yeah, because I'm arts. like, F you sexy hookers. I want <laughs> I want to try. I will give a shout out to Clean Rowling because on my last uh, game for Ireland, we played the USA and she thankfully gave me the ball at the back of the mall and she could have taken Aww. it. She was very See, quiet. that's nice. Lots no. of love, Clee. Thank you again. A lot, of now, a lot of players wouldn't do that. Like. No, they do not. They do not let go of the ball and you're kind of ripping <laughs> it and you're like, right. And then you kind of go and block it again. And like, you can see Tom Stewart he's looking up and he's like no one's getting that ball off him but um, it's strange actually to hear you say that because anytime we've played like railway we'd put our hook um, our hookers out in the channels okay, as a mismatch yeah, yeah. we would have done it with, with Ireland and actually <laughs> the said Clean Maloney would have got two tries one of the days against Scotland where she's just in the loose do you know so your your hooker can actually be one isn't near like your back row yeah, so it's yeah. not on like obviously we've seen Dan Sheehan absolutely tear down like a like a winger, you yeah. know, yeah. in yeah. game. So it's nice to have that mobile loose. And yeah, you would normally put them out in the 15 channel. So once their their job is done out, they go. Mm-hmm. And we saw that from Tom Stewart there when he got his third try. Yeah, unbelievable. It's, it's worked out well for us this, this season, hasn't it, Pat? Like, I know they yeah. had a bit of a, a rough patch there for a while, but if they beat Edinburgh on Friday, they're guaranteed second place, guaranteed home quarterfinal and semi-final. Yeah. So that puts them right in the hunt, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, that's it. They, they would back themselves then, you know, at Kingspan Stadium yeah, to go. Yeah, tough place to go. You know, and then again, like it's their big problem is almost I'm trying to think like it's like Liverpool and their Klopp as well. I keep going back to football here as well. Apologies, Liverpool right apologies now. to the union heads. Like, but, uh, but yeah, it's the same thing. It's like if it wasn't for Manchester City, like to be more success, if it wasn't for Leinster, Ulster would be kind of raved about and kind mm. of like they're still without a, a trophy now since 2006 as well. Like, But 
so many close calls and it's nearly always Leinster that's kind of doing them in at the end as well like so um, yeah like they, they, again like they had a big dip during the season and there was even people were getting frustrated with Dan McFarlane remember he was leaving all his major players on the bench and they were coming nope. off his impact subs and he was doing anything to try and get him going again but it's amazing what a couple of wins can do for, for the confidence so, so yeah they, they should beat Edinburgh at the weekend and that means they're guaranteed second as well like so um, yeah fair play to him especially kind of yeah. after kind of you know it, the Champions Cup didn't really work out for them they kind of mm. Although they gave that was the same thing again. They gave Leinster a really good go. They played their hearts out mm. and they still got beaten 30 points. Do you remember as well, like in the pool stage, they lost against the, the reigning champions and they got knocked out by the, the other finalists. Yes, like, so yeah. they didn't easy they didn't they get have an easy the easiest run, routes to try and do that well. Like, but as I said, like the way they've been playing the Kingsman, that place is a bloody fortress. Yeah. And it's full and for it's every rocking. match, no matter yeah. what, no matter who they're playing. They can be playing against each other and they'll still fill the stadium. <laughs> yeah. It's the way it works. So there's a real, they're building a nice ethos there back in Ulster. But uh, hopefully it'll all work out and we're back next week and we're talking about like everyone yeah. through or Champions, Champions Cup, all sorts. Well, we'll yeah. have loads of Irish rugby to talk about. But moving on to the, the dark side of Irish rugby at the moment, while the men and everything is doing fantastic, before we get to the game itself, before yeah. we get to the actual game, during the week, there was a, a, I'm sure everyone has heard about this at this time. If you haven't, you've been living under a rock for the last week. Uh, big piece with uh, Fiona Thomas in the Telegraph. Um, there was a kind of a, an investigation into women's rugby. Apparently, it went on for quite a while that they were in there before this came out. The standout line, um, I, I won't say the word, but it's who gives an F about women's rugby was said during a speech to the RFU president. Apparently, a well-known and well-up figure was overheard saying that while he was talking. Um, there was a lot of other kind of big nuggets to come out of it in terms of the fact that with these contracts coming in, it was either full-time or nothing like mm. they were the ladies were looking for a hybrid contract which is completely understandable because a lot of them have as we've mentioned mm-hmm. loads of times good jobs big jobs really or they'd job, like yeah. to keep playing rugby and have their jobs so let's do a hybrid situation but it was like you know all duck or no dinner is basically what yeah. they were offered which is very unfair um, players being refused protein on their torta de pan like rugby players playing for an international team being refused protein I mean yeah. <laughs> so anyone that doesn't play rugby or sports like I mean you need like your supplements are so bloody important and even something like they made a big song and dance and made us all feel sorry for women oh you're being such brilliant to women's rugby bringing in the navy shorts they didn't even consult the women on this no you know so, <laughs> so do you know what I mean like so I, I don't know I mean then obviously Greg Williams then came out and spoke and he said it was very historic and then a bit of a slip of the tongue there because he said he was like a father and the girls were his daughters. I don't know what way you want to look at that, but go for it. <laughs> Let's start with that before we even look at the, the, the match over the weekend. Um, look, I don't know Greg personally. I've, I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. Um, he seems a good guy. Uh, he would have, you know, been a teacher and coach at Michael's and he's, you know, he has a, a vast uh, experience on his CV as regards rugby but when we're trying to p- change the professional ethos of the game when we're trying to change the values and the social norms around women's rugby we really don't need comments like that I'm, I have no doubt it came from a good place but mm. like would you hear Richie Murphy saying that to the under 20s would you would I hear my own coach at Railway saying it or Ben Martin at, at Black Rock and I'm, I hope these players or, or people don't mind me using them as an example as I said mm. I'm sure it was a slip of the tongue and he was trying to just say it from a protection point. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, however, as I said, when you're really trying to change the professionalism and the attitudes towards women's rugby, and like that'll nicely bring me into the point about um, who gives an F about women's rugby. It's not nice that someone in such a, 
a, a strong position who has such influence on the game is saying that and I don't know who said it or whatever else and I got, again this is a report so you have to take it at face value about it but it's not it's, it's not the first time it's been said and it's not it won't be the last mm. and unfortunately I come back to as a huge advocate of the game we love we don't know the joys we have in our own personal lives until we try them whether that's food or sport or whatever else and I'd always say don't have an opinion on women's rugby until you go and see it because mm. there was some exceptional games over the weekend I watched France and Scotland yesterday England and Wales was an absolute cracker and some of the skill level including kicking which isn't obviously always the forte of the mm. women's game mm. France were sublime yesterday some of their, their the standard of rugby so um, it's extremely disappointing it's extremely upsetting it's mm. you know I'm sitting here and you know we've had a great chat about rugby and then you just have this anxious pit and I just feel so sorry for the girls and we've said it on this show before no one is pointing a finger at them because no. unfortunately when you take your eye off the ball for such a long period of time which realistically in my view is 10 years they were always destined to fail mm. you know they were always destined to fail so and now they're they're fulfilling that destiny under the scrutiny of now so with all eyes on the women's game because yeah. it has their trajectory. It's, it's one of the big fastest growing sports from mm. women's sports throughout the world. It's breaking records. Like look at the, world, the most recent World Cup. Like, you know, I look at the records being broken with England and stuff and Twickenham and Six Nations. It's, it's flying it. So that weekend, right? Uh, right now, I definitely the last count was over 45,000 tickets sold in, <sighs> for, in Twickenham as yeah. a standalone event for France and England. On that Monday now, Arsenal will play. Uh, I saw a stat yesterday in 10 years. It was about maybe just under 1,300, if memory serves me right, sold for Wolfsburg for the semi-final of Champions Cup, uh, Champions League. Champions now the Emirates as a standalone. On that Monday following that that, that uh, same fixture with the with the rugby is now sold out in the, in the Emirates yeah. for Arsenal against Wolfsburg in the semi-final of Champions League. So it's very hard to see all these fantastic records being broken and we're so far behind, aren't we're we? We're so behind. Like, Pat, yeah. like looking mainly on that, that who gives an F about women's rugby, you've been covering the women's game for a long time, as long as I can remember. Yeah. And you were one of those people that was covering the game when there's a time when it was really struggling for coverage. Yeah. You've always like, and like when you hear people, so, someone say something like that, like does that like piss you off? Big time. Yeah, like I was saying, yeah, like for me, I think it was like 2012 when I started kind of covering the women's team and you used to go to Ashburn uh, Rugby yep. Club and they'd bring the buses out of all the kids from all over the country would go to see them. And yeah, it was funny. I used to kind of do reports for the paper, the national papers, but I would do them for like each of the national papers, three or four different match reports. Mm, so it was right. like only, I'd be the one person that would be sent out to do it. And uh, and then you just sit, but then, and then they, they had their big success out there and they had like winning the, the Grand Slam in 2013. And then, yeah getting to a kind of World Cup semi-final then as well and beating the New Zealand team. And the momentum was there and they just absolutely wasted it. Like, And it was like, like the big thing about the Women's World Cup in 20, was that 2017, 2018? It was just like, the only reason they were doing it was to tick the box to get the 2023 World Cup, which they didn't then get as well. And it was like, look, we can stage an event. But it wasn't, that care wasn't there um, like look at the warm up games for that World Cup like they were they're playing I don't know like to Spain and Japan like yeah. it wasn't they weren't preparing like for a proper World mm. Cup like we're mm. going to go out and try and win this thing and then you could see like they just it fell apart again and then you had the whole thing with the like I, for me I just personally feel like they care more about sevens rugby because they think that'll get more women involved or young girls in the game so the, the 15s game is something that's just kind of lip service almost like and it's mm. like okay let's kind of let's kind of take it seriously let's say we're doing the right things and but then, like, it's just kind of, it pales in comparison. You see the likes of Irish provinces are bringing in 
you know, Fardy Muldoon, Jack Neenaber, like uh, a lot of Sean money O'Brien. Spent like, there, like, yeah. There's so much money being spent. And then it's just kind of like, OK, well, well, it's almost like this kind of big field of dreams thing, isn't it? And you see England, they're doing it as well. It's like if you create the hype about it as well, the people will get on board. And that momentum will build for that England-France game in Twickenham where people will want to go to that because they're hearing that it's going on. So it's just that thing of like um, building up that kind of like bit of momentum behind it. So it's almost, I guess they've wasted a lot of stuff. And as somebody I saw mentioned in there over the weekend, I think it was Ali Donnelly who's done yeah. a lot of work on it as well. It's like they just seem to clear the decks every two years and bring in new young players. Then they go out and get absolutely smoked against somebody and then you don't see them again. Like, and it's like, and here's another young 19-year-old or 20-year-old coming in and like, where's the consistency? Where's the planning of it? Um, so it's a big shame. Like, and, and that it does permeate from some of the, Again, you said you've come across so many good people who are in the game and wanted to do well. But some of those, what you'd call the blazers, just don't give a F and F about it. Like, yeah. you know, um, and uh, that permeates then as well. It's just like, and they're, especially when they're losing, it's like, mm. I don't want to be involved with that team because they're losing all the time. So I'll just focus on the guys mm. that are winning over here and I'll get in the photos with the guys that are winning so like it's I, I don't know it's like it looks like as Greg McWilliams said last week they're starting to do things they are making a bit of changes yeah uh, like Jenny Murphy was on Virgin Media over the weekend she was saying she'd love to see that hybrid contract thing there at least kind of phase out some of your more experienced players yes say listen we'll give you two years we'll give you a hybrid contract and you can then like like the likes of Reese Ruddock is doing there you train up this young yeah. you know, back row or this young it's not a crazy like request that. like it's quite a simple I don't that's yeah. what I can't understand it's not a they're not asking for anything ridiculous. They were often on kind of saying, okay, just give us a hybrid one. What's yeah. the big deal? Like? <laughs> so this is the thing. I, I was there in 2019 when we had our first loss to the Azuri, which yeah. was 29, 27. And I was probably publicly very critical that we weren't, we didn't, again, had no insight into like players, the likes of Paula Fitz and, and Heather O'Brien, Mary Louise Riley, Ailey Sheegan, who had all mm. been such great servants and successfully so and helped transition. We'd lost them. So in 2019, you had players stepping up from AIL right up to international test games and they weren't ready. And it, again, it was a, we, I was only chatting to Nikki Coggy last night about even when we played England and Twickenham and they were six months into our contract. We came away, you should have seen our, our injury list it was ridiculous because again it was it was now like men against boys for the cliche you're like they mm. were so far ahead in just their S&C so just back to the money thing the, the gas thing and the blazers and, and this is just to give some people insight governance is a huge part and you know this with your, with your own involvement at club level governance is a huge part and feeder into the decision making part so again this is not about the players it's the decisions up mm. here that impact down here yeah. and again 10 years it's not about money no one needs a, beat, a Brown Thomas gift card to just you know sugarcoat the cracks mm. it's not about that the hybrid contracts now look I'm not a business I don't know as it regards a business model but obviously Katie O'Dora spoke and and there's others maybe there and I don't know, you know, that was the first time I heard who got offered what, but um, a hybrid contract to me, like she's one big experienced player who's been missing, mm. to name but a few. Mm. And like what she would have brought culturally and then onto a pitch experience. Massive. Yes, exactly. And now we're looking, 2004 is the last time we, we were, <laughs> were handed the wooden spoon and without sounding negative, it you know, that's the way it's, it's looking like yeah. now. And, it's going to take such a huge turnaround. It's going to take four years until we see the changes. That's the unfortunate. Mm. But there is positive things happening. But again, for Greg and his players, the harsh learnings take time. You know, it's it's harsh lessons. You recover from that. You set goals. You improve. But now you're looking at, you know, if we are in tier three, what, what benefit is that going to be to the learners of this squad? So, look, it's... Um, 
God, all you can say it's a bit of a shit show, there's, really. There's, there's, there's one thing, like, uh, we've been doing it, like, with Rugby Joe, like, the, a season with series, and yeah. uh, and you'd speak to some of the, the women with the Bristol ladies team, and they're in with the men, you know, like... Sarah Byrne? Yeah, every week, and, yeah. like, they'd say the likes of, yeah, like, the, like Alice Genge is doing scrumming, you know, like, scrumming mm-hmm. sessions with them, and yeah. Pat Lamb's coming over and checking in on them, and Pat Lamb's getting in touch with them, kind of saying, like, uh, is, is she playing this week, or, like, Pat yeah. Lamb knows what's going on, and it's, like... I don't know if the provinces could start getting the players in a bit more and getting like soaking up like what's going on with Leinster. Like if you could get the women in twice a week or even once a week to kind of cross paths. Anything to help. Anything to help. I mean, same way like the way the senior men work with the 20s and stuff. And, you know, they were heavily involved together like, and they bounced off each other. And I can guarantee you that helped that 20s team win that Grand Slam because... Like we we spoke to Ruin Quinn and we spoke to Gleason, yeah, Gleason yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Like and they were telling us, you know, I mean, he said to show up and have like Josh Vanderfleer give Quinn a lot of advice. He's like, it's the world player of the bloody year, like putting his arm around the shoulder and give me a bit of advice. hundred percent. That like goes a long way. Like, but uh, I mean, looking at the result itself, a twenty four seven defeat. It said, I think we said we saw it coming as you said. It looks like it's a wooden spoon, but we are not 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 for one second we putting the blame on the ladies. To, you know what I mean? Maybe they, they, they left themselves room if they had a few chances, they could have scored a few tries. The only try that they did got did guess, excuse me, was a penalty try, but it was some good scrum pressure to get it. Well, yeah, the one set piece I just wanted to I took the pictures of the stats there at the at the game right. and uh, I think Ireland had over sixty percent possession. Okay. A really, really shining light was their scrum. It was exceptional. I think uh, the likes of Sam Monaghan had five offloads, she had eighteen carries, same mm. with Derville and Nicovard. Um so Linda Junjang had had some good carries. So um, they made Italy. I think at one stage the Italians had 127 tackles compared to Ireland's 60 odd. So they really put the Italians under pressure. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But they just didn't come away. Like yeah. when you're in the opposition 22, as we all know, you have to come away with points in the morning. And there was probably a pivotal uh, period just before half time. It started off with a line out. Both teams, my God. Uh, Venusi, I think, if I'm pronouncing it right, um, was the hooker. Now, she did not complete one line-out throw, <laughs> except when she threw to the to the prop at the front. So it didn't actually, <laughs> there was no lift. And the fact that they, I, I was living on my nerves. I was like, Jesus Christ, watching this. Poor Neve Jones was inconsistent, but another exceptional game. She hasn't missed a tackle all tournament. She's been standout. I think she's leading tackles mm. um, throughout the championship. So another exceptional performance for herself. But, Basically, anyway, we set up the mall. Uh, we got going. We held possession. It was the first time through all three games where Ireland were putting phases together. And I thought to myself, right, we're really going to, we're going to get here. Now we're slowly, slowly getting into the territory, creeping towards the tri- the Italian try line. And then an unfortunate knock on at the wrong time. And they were putting the Italians under so much pressure who were so indisciplined throughout the whole game. Um, they could have taken three points and continued to, to go for another scrum and kept it in. And, and they're the pivotal moments and, and I know everyone's like, shut up about 2021 in Parma. But that happened to us with Spain. We went for the corner. We could have taken the three points. And when you're under pressure in rugby, as you know, lads, unfortunately, then mm. it's it's a game of margins and errors and your yeah. basics are under pressure. And the Italians come out and they scored an exceptional try in the mm. seven and a half. So we went in with our least, you know, 7-0, but it was 14-0 quickly yeah. after time. And um, I think Scalari is the I thought Beatrice Ragoni was exceptional at, at um, they're probably struggling with comments as well like, which, which is that, that little bit of comments then kind of like makes you make, uh, 
those errors and those extra, like losing out in those tries and not scoring those tries, the confidence thing. But Huge. I think the big thing we kind of have to worry about is the fact that next up it's England. Yeah. And like this is an England team that are coming to town. They're like, it's like Leinster or someone coming to town. Like this, yeah. these girls are like, I know, they, I know they lost the World Cup final, but they went on that. They broke the record of the most test wins. They just put 59 points past, past Wales. They beat them 59-3. And we're in the state we're in at the moment. Like, and I know the saving grace is the fact that it's on the Musgrave Park. We have a home crowd behind us, but it could end up being it could end up being a very, very, very bad weekend for us. Well, you're looking at kind of people who were missing even for England, like Claudia McDonald missed out this weekend. She had two tries against Italy the week before. Abby Dow has been exceptional. Holly Aitchison is in. Sarah Sarah Byrne, I don't know if you caught her offload. Um, mm. like she's back playing the way she has been playing pre-World Cup and um you know, it's funny that you mentioned Bristol, John Cronin, our director of rugby would have went over just to, to get oh, some insight yeah. in. And he, he he said that he was blown away by Pat Lamb. But without deviating off topic, I just think, um, yeah, I'm worried because these England results have actually been on again a team who are very much blooding new players. Um, uh, Maud Murr came back in after injury. She's one of the props and she got a try. So you're kind of like, oh, right, people are coming back in of injury. You think, you know, they're not going to be sharp. And so, look... Musgrave Park is a great place to be, but it's also an all-weather pitch in a in a team that's exceptionally skillful. Yeah. England love to kick; they're one of the highest, I think, kicking teams. So, as regards putting Ireland under pressure with kicking game and really wearing them down, um, yeah, I'm nervous now coming into the yeah. weekend. I think yeah, like Stephen Jones, I think was doing a report on it for like the Times at the weekend, and he was so positive about Wales and how brave they were and mm-hmm. how many players stood up, and he was like, you. It's like it's even hard to be critical. Like you know, after getting pumped fifty nine three, but he's like so, Wales played so well. That's how good that that's England a, yeah. team are. Like <laughs> that's frightening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of it could be it could be like it, it depends on like you know like if the girls can keep kind of fighting to the end or something like that because they're going to need to and they're going to need a whole bench to come on and mm. do their job as well and they might need a little bit of luck. They might need a card decision or something to go their way as well. But and they'll still probably lose. Like you know like so that's that's what they're they're, they're it's just. France and England are just they've got a head start of around eight years mm-hmm. you know like and yeah. then and then with all the kind of other benefits they have like population size and more clubs and stuff yeah. like that like but and money and money, money yeah money yeah. does help yeah money goes a long so, way but uh, yeah but like I don't know what any kind of if Yuri Geller you know like when he used to kind of send his positive <laughs> vibes and when he's taking a break from bending spoons like any kind of positive vibes you can give them or that home crowd are going to have to do some kind of heavy lifting as well like yeah. so just all the best to them yeah. like. I think no matter what happens with this Six Nations the way it's gone and with this most recent investigation for now let's let them play let them see how they get, see how they get on wait till the Six Nations over but another report has to be done another review has to be done and more investigation has to be done to go what the hell is going on and why aren't we doing it yeah, Simple as that. and look, the girls, big big shout out to them. Best luck the weekend. It's it always was, and that's what we want to see is the mm. incremental improvements. And we did see that against it's Italy, it. and I think the confidence is the is the roadblock to them putting points on. But just take your points, go hell points. for leather, and yep. we always come up trumps against that's the English. It. We just want a performance. We said we're not letting the players accountable. We're letting the RFU accountable and the the suits and the, the prawn sandwich brigade, as we call them. <laughs> but, uh, just before we finish up. Uh, we're going to give our never stop competing moment of the week to blah, 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 Leinster. Yay! We're going to have to give it to Leinster because as you, as you mentioned there, 36, 21 down, down to 13 men. They went over with a lot of kids like your, your starting 10 is a 20 something year old kid mm. and he gets player of the match. So like it, everything just was just brilliant. Like, so you can't mm-hmm. not give it to them, even though 
I didn't want to give it to them. Yeah, but look how good you look in blue. <laughs> Red next week, lads. Oh, yeah. Lads blue everywhere, look. That's it for today from myself, Lindsay and Pat. Uh, cheers for listening and watching. And uh, thanks, a big thanks, of course, to our sponsors, Bank of Ireland. And we will catch you next week. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. 